0: If you would have told me 25 years ago that I would be back in school again, I would have not believed you for a second. Uh, When I got done with college, I was done. I was like, yes, that part of my life, it's over. I'm all good. I'm all schooled out. But for the last few years, I find myself back at it again, taking seminary classes uh, for the last three years in pursuit of a Master's of Divinity. And of course, that comes with all of the fun things that school comes with, right? Lots of early mornings, especially when you've got kids and you're leading a church, and lots of late nights, and lots of looming deadlines that are hanging over your head all the time, right? had to write lots of papers, take lots of tests, you know, I'm constantly, you know, being graded for that work. And I find this, this, this process, you know, of constantly having to submit your stuff to be graded, it's kind of nerve-wracking, especially when it comes to things like writing papers, right? Because when you're writing papers, you're putting in lots of hours and lots of time, sometimes over weeks, kind of researching whatever that topic is at hand. And then you're, you're crafting your words to get just the right message and formatting it all just right because everybody wants you to have it exactly in the right way. And you want to get that footnote right and the, the grammar right so that when that TA or professor, whoever it is that's, that's grading it, not start knocking you off for those dumb little things that you don't want to have to think about. About. But the reality is you're investing your life into getting each part of that, that paper just right. And then with one simple click, you're submitting all of that time, all of that energy for judgment. right? And of course, as soon as you, 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 you hand that in and you click that button, like, you start second guessing everything that you just did. Oh man, did I, did I check the grammar right on that? Did I get my bibliography in just the right order? Was that footnote? Did I, did I remember to mark that one, right? You just, you constantly go into this place, and I try to tell myself as a 43-year-old man, I do not need a good grade to validate who I am, <laughs> and yet there's, there's hand-wringing and sweating as you're waiting for that grade to come in just about every single time as you wait, right? It's, it's hard to, to think about, right? There's, there's nothing like getting that passing grade and just that emotional relief that just comes, right? I passed inspection, right? Now, for many of us, the idea of getting judged or being evaluated, it brings this this deep anxiety, right? It doesn't matter what it's really for, whether it's being judged for our work, uh, our personal life and choices, Uh, maybe it's being judged for your parenting, for how you put the toilet paper on the top or on the bottom, on the roll, it's the top. You can check the patent. It's actually, I'm valid. Yeah, give it a hand. Yeah, and if you're not clapping right now, you're wrong, okay? Just so you know, judgment has happened. Right? Well, it's hard. It's hard to see the product of our good work have to be put up on the scale of judgment, right? And it's, it's hard. Not many people I know look forward to this thing, even like, like work evaluations. Nobody looks forward to a work evaluation. Even if you know that they're necessary, why is that? Because we think of judgment and we automatically associate it with criticism, yeah. right? Oh, I'm being judged. I'm being criticized for who I am. And now we take like this idea of judgment, let's let's broaden the scope even bigger and look at the implications of judgment when we look at the scope of eternity, right? Cuz judgment it's it's all tied up in our understanding of the end times, of life after death and heaven and all of these things that come along with it. And we we as we uh were start in this series called Heaven Now and Forever that Julie kicked off last week, we've learned that heaven has actually already begun to invade earth right we got this understanding that we look at how jesus and his sacrifice it ushered in a new era in the world where we can see now that god's kingdom or what may call the kingdom of heaven is now breaking in to our world and there's this place now where those two are actually happening together yeah And is that is happening, we're looking at this as a partial, right? So right now there's an overlapping, but we're looking forward to a day when heaven and earth are fully reunited. Now, something has to happen before then. And this day of judgment that we talk about is something that happens before that final time is reunited. And as we look at that, before that day arrives and we see that day of judgment coming, we're going to explore this very idea. We're going to explore the idea Of judgment. And I know you guys are very excited because who doesn't get excited when the preacher wants to talk about judgment from the stage? And you're all like, I really made a mistake. I should have stayed at home, bedside Baptist looking good. All those things, it's all right. This is gonna be good. Stick with me on this, right? Because this, right? We, we, we know we think about judgment, all this, all this fear, these things come to mind, but I want us to understand this idea of final judgment specifically when we think about those who are followers of Jesus. How should we be thinking about this judgment, right? Because if we think getting judged for a test or a paper is, is nerve-wracking, how about our entire lives being judged and weighed on the balance scales, right? It's not like the stakes could be any higher, right? It's just our eternal destiny and whether we get to heaven or not, Right? Just a small thing, right? But today we're going to look at what it means for followers of Christ to look forward to that day of judgment that the Bible does talk about, right? And ask the question, should we as followers be actually looking at this day with dread? Or should we actually be looking forward to this day with hope and anticipation? Before we dive into this, let's just pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, we're so thankful that you're already here. We're thankful that you wanna teach us, you wanna guide us, you wanna show us what you have for us today. I wanna thank you that you are gonna be our guide and our teacher. Show us what you have in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want us to understand something. Do you know that we we all like a little judgment? Not for ourselves. But we all like a little judgment or justice when it kind of happens to somebody else, right? So we all have this, little, this thing in us that craves that, this justice that happens, especially when it's those who've maybe, who maybe have hurt us or who've hurt our loved ones, right? That's where we can really get into that. We have this feeling of deep satisfaction. You're watching your favorite movie, and you see the bad guy finally get what's coming to him. He finally gets what he deserves, Right? And it's especially true when that idiot driver who's been tailgating you for the last five miles, right? Gets though, they they, they flash it. Oh man, they get pulled over and you're just like, ha, yes. Like you just get that deep sense. We all have a little bit of justice that we want to happen, right? Now on the flip side, none of us want that for ourselves. We have all kinds of mercy and excuses when it comes to our own actions, right? Especially when it's driving poorly. Yeah, we we have all kinds of excuses, but for somebody else, no, judgment should happen today. We're ready to go. Now in the Bible there is a clear understanding that this day of judgment is actually coming. In fact, uh, in the, the, the context of, of when this would have been written when we see the Bible is that the Jewish people had a clear understanding that God's day of judgment was going to be coming. So when Jesus talked about a day of judgment and accountability, it would have been fully understood as just an understood reality that this was gonna happen. Now, what they didn't expect was that the very Messiah that they were looking forward to would actually take this judgment upon himself but I'm jumping ahead in the story, and we're gonna get there. And I do wanna take a look uh, at where Jesus is talking about judgment in Matthew's gospel. And here, Jesus is warning the religious leaders of his time that there will be a day of judgment. And this is what it says in Matthew 12, verse 36. It says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word that they speak, for by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. How do we feel when we read that, right? Right? Does it immediately puts you into like, oh man, you start replaying your life, your own life in your head, a little bit of dread, like every word, every deed's gonna be judged. I do know, I how about you? Like sometimes when I'm laying awake at night, I'll begin to like replay that conversation from 12 years ago with that guy named Derek and could I just go back and fix it? Because I've really matured as a person since then. I really think I could give some healthy perspective if I could just go fix that. Is it, is it just me, right? Am I the only one? that that, that, right? I'll get my Sozo healing prayer on the calendar schedule and get it fixed for you. But this is confusing, right? Right? We we have these ideas that sometimes we don't even recognize uh, where we've got those ideas from about what judgment looks like. And then we think about the day of judgment and it sounds like the most awkward and uncomfortable thing we could possibly imagine, right? Our lives are laid bare for everyone to hear as we retell every good and bad deed that we've ever done. Right? Something like this. Well, on this day, Johnny kicked his sister in the shin, threw her doll in the trash for the 15th time. Parents were angry. Sister cried. Oh, it's going down. Johnny ate all his food this week, and he cleaned his room. Oh, okay. All right. Well, let's let's move forward a little bit. He was 14. He discovered girls were no longer the worst thing that ever happened to the world. And we'll just skip over that part. It didn't go well. <laughs> At 21, he was mean to the waitress, but he left a nice tip. Oh, maybe it's a draw, maybe we can get there, right? Lied to your boss about hours, got fired for sleeping on the job. Oh, that's right. Oh, he gave a homeless man a dollar and he said, God bless. Oh, coming back up a little, all right. See, this list is just, right? It's just gonna keep going on. The tight race, wait, wait. It might be saying, looks like you commented hearts and prayers approximately 532 times on people's I'm a troubled person social media posts. Woo! Skating you right into heaven. You just made it in. Now, you're gonna be living on the streets because you just made it in, but hey, they're made of gold and the sun's always shining, right? He is. It's gonna be great. Uh, here's your crown. It's got a few jewels in it, but they're mostly bedazzled. It's okay. It's all right. We're gonna do some remedial training every day, at 3 p.m. with the saints. After about 400 years, that mansion is for you, buddy. You got in, right? That's how we squeak it in. Hey, it's still a lot better than the pitchfork guy with the fire, right? Right? Yeah, that sounds still better. I, I joke, but the reality is sometimes we carry these kind of strange ideas about what judgment day is gonna look like and we, we kind of put these in and sometimes we don't even realize that that's actually kind of how we view what's gonna happen. And when we think about God's day of judgment and wrath in the end times, our response can be, dread and fear. And there's actually a couple of different worldviews that I actually want to look at today. And specifically, kind of a, kind of a very broad-based idea here of what does it look like from kind of the world or cultural uh, dilemma that's faced with judgment? That's kind of the non-Christian worldview. And then what, what should a, what, what's a Christian worldview and how even that can still kind of get confusing and messed up. And so let's start with this idea of judgment, like culturally, right? Because the idea of judgment, it's not a popular idea in today's culture, at least as a stated ideal, right? I'm not sure that that's entirely true. But culture tells us our greatest ideals should be those of inclusion and tolerance of all people in order to create a world where everyone can be free to live as they choose. That almost kind of sounds good, but then as it actually plays out, the reality is our current culture's demand to not be judged usually results in constant judgment and cancellation for anyone who's not agreement with the current ideology that's in the spotlight. And so the very idea of a final judgment in that worldview uh, where, where this God comes and decides any of our choices are good or bad is completely like antithetical, like opposite of that ideal. And, and don't get me wrong, we do have to learn to set aside differences that come from discrimination and prejudice against race and demographics and all the tribalism that humanity is so often known for. In fact, we, we, we yearn for justice because we're actually made in God's image and God is actually a God of justice. This is who he is, that there's a peace in us that that wants that. But what we have to understand is that God's justice and his standards, they may look different than the world's standards, and we have to understand that part of it. And for unbelievers, the challenge comes when they believe that there is no standard with which we can determine right or wrong, right? That there's no objective truth that we can understand uh, ourselves and the world around us. So when, when that happens, and affirmation is the highest ideal, then truth becomes an enemy to that, and love loses its, its, its stickiness, and it just becomes agreement, and that's not healthy either, because see, if we believe that our true self is identified only by ourselves and is the only standard that matters for our lives, then the idea of a God who's going to come and arbitrarily punish and come after us seems completely wrong and evil, right? Right? Now, hear me say This is a framework for for a big-picture view of how culture is viewing judgment and how we then have to understand what we bring as Christians into the picture and how we're having that discussion. Now, Christians, we have a whole slightly different dilemma, right? Hopefully, we do believe that that there is a standard uh, for right and wrong and that God is actually worthy of making that great and final judgment of the world, However, we still have a lot of mixed up ideas about what God's judgment's going to look like that bring about this place of fear and anxiety about what the future holds for us or even for those that we love. So there's lots of confusion that's happening on all sides. There's so many different ideas flying around that we've been influenced by. And what we want to look at today is this idea of what is this end of the world in judgment day? And when we think about it, it's, it's so confusing that sometimes we actually just kind of want to, don't want to think about it, right? We want to turn it off. But we have to ask the question, is Judgment Day a good thing or a bad thing? And should Christians specifically be fearful of God's judgment? Hopefully, we'll gain a little bit of clarity around these things today. Now, I want to start because I want to, I want to set a framework. So I'm going to almost kind of jump us ahead to give us a little, a little bit of answer as we dive into this, because I don't want us to, to get off on the wrong track. And I want to start uh, with a helpful quote, I think, from a uh, well-known theologian and scholar, N.T. Wright. Right? He's a prolific scholar and writer, uh, and he's got uh, lots of resources that are, that are out there. And he's got this picture of judgment that gives us a healthy contrast to some of our maybe fearful ideas about judgment. And it paints a hopeful picture of what judgment should look like from a biblical worldview. And this quote comes from his book called Surprised by hope. And you can find more information about that on our resource page uh, that Leah talked about, again, tvc.us slash heaven. This is where you can access all the resources that, that we have set up for this series specifically. There's books. There's also links to our podcast. And if you have questions that you want to submit for us to talk about on some of those podcasts, this is where you can do that. Head that place, it's going to be great. So I want to read this quote. It's a little bit longer quote, so stick with me, but I think it's super helpful for setting this framework. It says this, The picture of Jesus as the coming judge is the central feature of another absolutely vital and non-negotiable Christian belief, that there will indeed be a judgment in which the creator God will set the world right once and for all. The word judgment carries negative overtones for a good many people in our liberal and post-liberal world. And we need to remind ourselves that throughout the Bible, not the least in Psalms, God's coming judgment is a good thing, something to be celebrated, longed for, yearned for. It causes people to shout for joy and the trees of the field to clap their hands. In a world of systematic injustice and bullying and violence and arrogance and oppression, the thought that there might come a day when the wicked are firmly put in their place and the poor and the weak are given their due is the best news there can be. Faced with a world in rebellion, a world full of exploitation and wickedness, a good God must be A God of judgment. This is this is a really helpful framework. That that, that the day of judgment should be something to be looked for, forward to, to be yearned for. That even biblically, that's how judgment was even seen. See, this sums up this perfect perspective for us as Jesus followers that we get to have about this coming judgment so I want us to keep that framework in mind as we explore a little bit more about what this final judgment looks like. So let's unpack this, this idea a little more. First of all, again, we're gonna dive into a lot of stuff. Hopefully it doesn't get too complicated. Just stick with me, because there's some places where it gets, it's gonna get a little bit confusing because we've got a God who's in and out of time and all of these things that are happening. So stick with me. First thing, Two judgments. Two judgments, I thought that was one judgment. It's the final judgment, right? Well, actually, we're talking about more than one judgment as we actually look at it in this biblical context. And what it means is that there's this future day of judgment that invaded the present with the death and resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus ushers in the kingdom of God with, his, with, with the cross, and heaven is now something, the kingdom of heaven is something that is invading earth right now as we are experiencing it today. Now, this is great news for those who've accepted their salvation in Jesus because the judgment for our sins happens at the cross. That's why we call the gospel good news because the judgment's happening there. So that's this first judgment. Now, there is this second and final judgment that will come at the end. And this is where we see the fulfillment of God's kingdom that started at the cross, where it began to invade. We see that happening where it's the final fulfillment and joining of that new heaven. And again my goal today is not to bring fear. And with that in mind, I actually want to start with some places of hope. And I want to start with some passages that you'll be really familiar with is John 3:16 and 17. John 3:16 one of the most well-known verses that's out there. And we're going to read through this and we're going to come back to this, this scripture and read a little bit further because we often read John 3:16 but it's some verses past that that are super helpful as we talk about judgment. This is what it says, John 3:16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus was sent on a rescue mission. And we get that messed up when we think Jesus came uh, to judge the world. Instead, Jesus came to save the world, right? Through him. So our salvation is never based on our good deeds, And this is where we get messed up too in that idea of judgment, right? Judgment day doesn't suddenly turn this grace-filled salvation that Jesus brought into this idea of Christian karma where we're putting it on the scales and hoping we come out ahead, right? Salvation is always dependent on Jesus alone, right? Now, in that, however, he did not take away our free will and our choices. And that's why we have to talk about judgment day today. See, we have to understand that our choices matter, that our lives actually matter right now, that how we live our lives matters both now and forever, right? Remember those first verses we read in Matthew where it talked about being either condemned or justified by the words that we speak? Well, what he's referring to here is this idea that we actually get to confess Jesus as Lord, right? That's with our mouth. We confess Jesus, so we either confess him as Lord or we deny him as Savior, I want to be clear, I don't have all the answers for you. today. I'm not coming here today saying, I've got it all figured out. This is the saith the way. But I do think that the Bible gives us some pretty clear understanding on some of these topics. And we, there are certain things that are gonna probably just remain a mystery until Jesus comes again. But we can explore some of these and tackle some of the questions we're tackling today and get some more clarity and perspective on things like what is judgment and how we as Jesus followers should actually interact with and understand things like that. So let's take a look closer at what the Bible has to say about final judgment. We're going to read through a lot of scriptures uh, today because I want us to have a biblical perspective, right? And there's a lot more scriptures we could have pulled from, but for the sake of time, I can't do for all, but we're going to get through uh, a number of scriptures today because I want us to be rooted in what the Bible says around judgment. First, we're going to go look at the book of Revelation, right? This one is an exciting one for many of us because we have no idea how to handle it. It's, it's just got so much in it. And the first thing we have to understand is written by the Apostle John, right? The disciple of Jesus is who we understand to have written this book. He was written while he was in exile on the, an island called Patmos. And there is so many literary, literary devices and images that we find in this book. And there's just, there's so much there that is so fascinating to read, but incredibly difficult to understand, Okay, And so there's a lot of these different devices that he's employing in his writing that make it uh, fascinating and hard. But I want us to remember one really important thing. The focus of this book is one person, and that is Jesus. Right? This is called the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is all about him. Everything in this book points back to who he is. So that's the purpose uh, that we find. So any conversation that you're having about revelation that's bringing you, as a Christian, dread and fear, I'll tell you, you're probably getting the wrong perspective, it's Jesus at the center of who this is, right? Now, Revelation, trying to dive into a deep dive in that would take far more time than we have today and possibly this year. So we're gonna to try to stay focused. I wanna read from Revelation 20 and just a little bit of context as we step into Revelation 20. So leading up to this, in the beginning of the book, you've got the seven letters being written to the seven churches. And in them, they're being both warned and encouraged about the, the bigger picture of God's kingdom and the battle that's happening in both the natural and the supernatural for the heart of God's kingdom, right? And we see that happening throughout. Again, this is that picture of heaven invading earth. Right now, we live with the kingdom coming at the cross in the middle of this battle. And the revelation is just a continuance of that same battle and that picture of that same battle that's happening even right now. And we see in this, Satan is seen as the great dragon. He's defeated. He's ultimately defeated by Jesus. We see here where we talk about the mark of the beast, which is a whole other subject. Uh, it's those who essentially have rejected God and his kingdom. And, and again, this is that place, heavens overlapping earth, the battle's happening. And we get to this culmination in Revelation 20, verses 11 to 12, and then we're gonna skip ahead a little bit and read verse 15. All right. Now, this verse is often called, this is called the great white throne judgment. Now that is a reference to the color of the throne, not the star of Shark Week. But in my head, that would be pretty awesome if Jesus was like actually sitting on like a great white and that was like his throne. Wouldn't that be cool? Come on, we need a little humor to keep us going, right church? Right? This is judgment and you're hearing about judgment from the pastor. We gotta get it. And my dad jokes are not that bad, okay? Just take them, all right? They're good. This is what it says in Revelation 20, 11 through 12. I, and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. You're thinking about that shark, aren't you right now? I know. It says, the earth and the sky fled from his presence and they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne and the books were opened, including the book of life and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now, it then goes on for a few verses portraying just like the totality that all will be judged and and everything in it. And it comes to verse 15 and it says, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, this is some, some powerful imagery that you see in this, right? The, the earth and the sky, or we're trying to, to get away from the powerful presence of God. What it's pointing to is, is this awe that we should have in, in, the, in who God is, this awe and reverence for God's amazing power. Guys, the fear of the Lord is a real thing that we should be aware of. Now, that doesn't mean fear like terror, but what it does mean is a reverence for the one who is the creator of all things, who is the source of all life, and he's the only one who is worthy to judge all things. So here what we're seeing is this proclamation of that final judgment that each would go through and none could hide from this, all must face it. Okay, so we have to all face this. What does that judgment then look like for those who follow Jesus, right? Remember, we're, we're in this place. Heaven is invading earth. Heaven isn't just a place where we go to die, okay? Okay. Instead, we think of it as a place that's overlapping our world today. It's the presence of God that we get to experience in our lives today, right? It's advancing in the world because of Jesus, life, death, and resurrection, right? And because ultimately we're going to see those things completely joined together and made new, so the judgment that we see referenced in the Bible tells us what we do now has consequences into eternity, right? Our life matters both now now and forever. This is really important. See, what does the judgment mean then for us? Do our good deeds and bad deeds determine whether we get our names in the book of life, right? Because we just read this passage, even though we set up the context, and I bet our heads are already going back like, oh yeah, maybe he does get that, right? Anybody else like your your head going back, well, maybe that does say that. Maybe that is what we're trying to do. So again, we're gonna look again some more passages in the Bible that speak to this judgment in the New Testament. We're gonna go actually to the book of John, and the book of John, the gospel of John, is actually, it's the same John who's writing the book of Revelation. So you're going to see some similarities here that we're going to pick up on as we see what Jesus is, or what he's talking about here. And this is actually Jesus' words um, that was that says. So here's what it says in John 5, verse 24 through 30. And it's going to start out in verse 24. It says, truly, truly, I say to you. Now, here's what I want you to know. When you hear that truly, truly, if you read the King James, that'll say like verily, verily. Basically, what it's saying is pay really close attention. This is really important. And you're going to see that a couple times just in this passage. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself and he's given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this for an hour is coming when all who are in tombs will hear his voice and come out for those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who've done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Okay, do, you see the, do you see this imagery being painted here? It sounds a lot like what we're talking about in that great white throne judgment in Revelation. that that he's coming here, right? But what's so important is to pick up, what's that first verse in 24 say? It says, whoever knows Jesus and believes him and will not come into that second judgment, right? Because when we've been given our brand new identity in him, we're given a life that escaped from the judgment of death, right? Jesus was the lamb who was sacrificed, who took that judgment upon himself, right? But Mike, you said everybody has to face this judgment. Well, that's true. Stay with me, right? We're getting there right? The Bible makes it clear that judgment is judgment for evil and for those who've rejected Jesus. And I, I want us to, to catch this. This is really important for us to understand that judgment is and, and decision is always portrayed as a choice, right? That there is always a choice. God's not just arbitrarily pushing people out. It's always given in the context of those who have chosen evil over Jesus and rejected his free gift of life, Right? And we're going to talk more about those final consequences for those who have, who, who have fully rejected him. And Diane is actually going to be speaking about that. She's going to talk about a message about hell and some of those things. And I am so glad I can just push that off to die. It's going to be really, really good today. So now the main thing, though, I want us to understand about this is that there is judgment. But it does look different for those who follow Jesus than it does for those who do not we're gonna keep reading uh, some more. I wanna, if you stay in the book of John, we're actually gonna come back to that, that, that John where we read John three sixteen and 17, right? God so loved the world, there's no condemnation. We're gonna read the next two verses, 18 and 20. So this is John 3, 18 through 20. And this says this, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment, that light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. So for those who've surrendered themselves to Jesus, there is no condemnation. For those who are in Jesus, the day of judgment has already come. Church, you've you've got to hear this. The cross was our day of judgment and Jesus took the judgment for us on himself so that we could be born again. We could die with him on the cross, be born again into life and have a new identity as sinners. We are free from the judgment and penalty of sin because we live today as children of God, freed from that weight of sin and judgment. Church, this is the good news our judgment has already happened. We don't have to walk in this place of fear because when we talk about judgment of sin and our place in eternal life, we know that that judgment is for sinners and not for saints. So as it says here, those who do wicked things and hate the light, they're choosing to reject who Jesus is. They're refusing his free gift. But our judgment is complete when we believe with our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. Right? And let's read another encouragement that comes in First John, because why? We need a lot of encouragement when it comes to judgment, right? It is hard to think about. So I want to read this, First John four seventeen. It says this, but this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, that's Jesus, so also are we in this world. Church, we get to share in the very same fate as Jesus. Our destiny is fully wrapped up in who he is we don't we will not and cannot be judged for sin again because we already have been judged for our sin. So when we face the judge on that final day of judgment we're actually facing our savior. The one who has extended his life and his grace and his mercy who's actually allowed us to already as it says to cross over from death to life right now. Right now. Not just in the future, it's now and forever. Okay, so we're covering a lot and I understand this is, this is a lot as we think about judgment. There's lots of different aspects that we think through but I wanna just summarize really quick so we're all on the same page here. The day of judgment is real. We will be judged for identity as sinners or we will be saved from that judgment by Jesus who took our judgment and gave us his gift of, as, of new identity as saints who have eternal life starting right now, Amen. Right? We have a choice that grants us freedom from facing the judgment for sins at the end of time. That is the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of God's gift to us right now. Now, there is another aspect of this judgment. Again, lots of different pieces to this. This is where we get confused. But there's another aspect that we didn't get a chance to talk in today, and I'm not gonna be able to get into in, in, in depth. But it's this understanding of rewards, right? Because the Bible does talk about rewards in connection to this final judgment. And while Christians don't have to face this second judgment for sins, there is a separate aspect of this judgment that determines what the Bible talks about as rewards. And it may be easier to understand this idea as how are you accountable for your response to your Savior, because what we do matters right now. And and because we can't dive into this fully today, I just wanna encourage you, do go check out the the bonus podcast that we'll release this week, talking about some of these things. Go to our resource page. We want you to have some more information on this, and we will talk more about this idea of rewards there. I'll give a brief, kind of just a, a brief overview that'll kind of help us have some idea of what we're talking about. But the most important thing for us to remember is that the gift we've been given is Jesus. He is our greatest reward. So our judgment or our accountability will come for what we do in obedience to him. How are we multiplying Jesus to the world around us? How are we bringing heaven to earth right now? This that we see up here, those little crosses are us. That's who we get to be. That's where we get to extend the kingdom that the cross initiated into the world of sin around us. So we get to do that in every relationship, every workplace, every school, every family, everything that we're a part of, we get to bring heaven, right? We release heaven when we speak to the brokenhearted, when we pray for those who are sick, when we feed the hungry, when we share the gospel with those who don't yet know Jesus right? Our our words release heaven right now because as sons and daughters, we get to speak the words of the Father through prophecy. We get to gather together in worship and gather in his presence because heaven is touching earth when we do those, those moments, right? We multiply Jesus when we do the stuff that he did, right? When we speak the life that he lived, when we participate in reconciling the world to him just as he did. Now, we don't exactly know what those rewards will be because the Bible actually doesn't say specifically what the rewards are. But I can tell you with certainty that I'm sure that Jesus will be at the center of all that we do receive. And I know that because he's at the center of what we receive right now. See, right? Heaven is both now and forever. Forever. Look, judgment is not a simple concept and the day of judgment specifically is not a simple idea to completely and fully understand. But Jesus has made our choice very simple. So we either choose to follow and believe in him with everything that we have or we choose his judgment. See, when when sin became a part of our humanity, it demanded judgment upon us. It stole our righteous identity and said, you must be judged. But when Jesus became a part of our humanity, he restored our righteous identity and he demanded mercy and grace for us. That is the hope we live, that mercy triumphs over grace. Judgment is real, but sin has no place in God's kingdom. So the judgment of sins is necessary and it's just. As Christians, we've been given this gift of eternal life that we get to look forward to the God's coming judgment, not with fear, but hope for all things to actually be made right, for all the injustices that we see to be made right and restored in him. That is who God is. As as followers of Jesus, we do not be afraid. And our responsibility as Christians is to steward the gift of Jesus and multiply him wherever we go. So you carry the hope of the world in you wherever you go, And our heart is to share Jesus, to let others know who do not yet know him so they too can be free of the judgment and the bondage that sin brings up. Your life matters now and forever. That is what we wanna know today. Let's bow our heads and pray as we close up today. Father, we are so deeply thankful for the gift of your son that in his act of mercy and grace and sacrifice, we've already been judged when we say yes to him. So Lord, we are so thankful as we get to rejoice today, as we worship you today, to all together, God, we're so thankful that we now get to be in your presence because we've been made right. That there is no barriers between you and us because Jesus is our destiny. In Jesus' name, amen.